In chapter 3 of Ephesians, we are dealing with a great prayer. And Paul has uh, this prayer for the Ephesians who he wants to know, have them to know deeply the things of God and uh, not only deepening the knowledge of God, but also uh, our love for Him and then also realizing His love for us. And that is what he is bowing his knees to, to the Father. And we're like children, you know, in a way, paddling at the edge of the ocean. And you look out in that ocean and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper and deeper. And uh, there are depths in this love of God which we know nothing of. Um, We have just, we're still on the beach. You know, we just barely have gotten out into the water. And you can imagine the depth that is there that uh, it'll take eternity to know the love of God. What Paul wants for these Ephesians is to go out into the depths and all the way into the, into the deeps and discover the things that they have never imagined. Now, not only does he want that for the Ephesian people, the Christians, but also for us. It comes right straight from Christ. So don't you want them to know the depths of the love of God? So we'll be looking into that. Let's uh, let's pray, and our prayer uh, should be right out of this text here. Is that okay for a prayer? For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might, through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a prayer. And we're in the middle of it, uh, quite high and majestic. Uh, It takes us to the heights, to the height of the heights. And we start with a uh, purpose statement. We looked at last week that Christ may dwell in your heart, and that dwelling is that He may really make Himself at home, be comfortable with. But you first have to be strengthened with might in the inner man. So if you'll follow that, uh, as He says in 16, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. starts with that and then to be strengthened with might in the inner man. And this comes from God's riches, right? That Christ may dwell in your hearts. You first must be strengthened, and as a result, Christ will dwell in your heart. And as you are strengthened and Christ dwells in your heart, you will be rooted and grounded in love. And the reason we say that is that there's a, a, a hint of purpose here. 
uh, clause. It's a clause. And you might pick it up in your versions, but in verse 16, Paul is saying, I, I'm praying for the whole family in heaven and earth, that he would grant you that. Here's, it's a purpose clause. And then we come down into verse 17. When we talk about being strengthened, when we looked at it last week, that he would dwell in our heart, that. Or in order that. Or with the purpose that. That's the idea of that clause. And may dwell in your heart through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. And there's that clause again. That. Here's the purpose. That it would do this. If you are strengthened, Christ, then Christ dwells in your heart. When Christ dwells in your heart, then you're rooted and grounded in love. And it will continue uh, on to see what all that does. But it, it finally gets to the point that we're so filled with the fullness of God and being in the very presence of God, realizing the this fullness, uh, we'll be dealing with that all throughout the rest of our lives, but being rooted and grounded in love. I, this is just fantastic. Uh, we've heard this statement. We've read it many, many, many times, and we have an idea of what it is, but... You know, when you think of rooted and grounded love, you start thinking of love. Everybody wants love. Everybody wants to experience love. Everybody wants to um, to, to to know uh, that somebody loves them. They also want to uh, receive love. They want to enjoy love. They want to give love. Uh, and we know that this love is the agape love, the love that's not just feeling. It's, it's a love that comes from God. And the key is, is that you would have a strong inner man that leads to Christ dwelling in your heart, being comfortable in every room in your life, and that's what we talked about last week, which leads to this. So every purpose statement has a purpose as it leads to the next one. And and we have those, then those things start uh, coming together, and it's where Christ has unrestricted access, in a sense, to your very heart. And that unrestricted access, that key, is love. So when Christ settles down in your life, makes himself at home, um, he starts showing his personality in your life, the life of Christ. You see, when, when Christ settles down, that's what happens. He controls the library. Remember last week we talked about the library? What's the library? That's where you have... Uh, knowledge, learning, uh, you think of uh, reading, the, the thinking. He controls your thinking. The more that you're in the Word of God, the more He controls the right kind of thinking. And then, um, not only that, we think of the living room, and that's where we have fellowship. That's where we have entertainment. That's where we have um, conversation. He wants to control that. We uh, think of the kitchen, uh, the dining room. That's where you have appetite. He wants to control your appetite to where you have the right kind of appetite. Uh, the workshop, he wants that because the workshop is where your tools are, your um, your abilities, your talents, your gifts. He wants to control that. And then even in that closet, that little hidden room, he wants total control of that too. And when that happens, then his nature is dominating you. Totally, wholly dominating you, totally controlling you. And what is his nature? Love. 
right? Well, a lot of attributes, but you think of, of that and the result of Christ being unrestricted in your whole life, that's when you become rooted and grounded in love. If He's dwelling in you, kat oi keiko, then uh, you're rooted. That's when you, and it's talking about really being experienced in it. Not just knowing about it intellectually, but experiencing that very love. And you know, you'll never know love unless you're strengthened. If you're not strengthened and having the indwelling in Christ, you're not going to really know that kind of love. Being yielded to the Holy Spirit. Christ settles down. Uh, he dominates you. He roots you in. He grounds you in. What a foundation. Um, love is a vital part of a Christian's experience. And of course, you think of the fruit of the Spirit. We are to manifest that fruit of the Spirit. And you know, when you think of what's the first fruit of the Spirit? <clears throat> Some people have said because of that, all the other ones come out of that love. I don't know. But it sounds uh, interesting to think about. Love, because you have really a true love for others, for God, for others, then you're going to have the joy. Because you have that love, you're also going to have the peace then. And right on down through the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. It all comes out of that first one, the the love. Love uh, is not an emotion. It's an act of selflessness. It's an act of self-sacrifice. It's an act. It's something that uh, that you do. Uh, love is uh, not controlled by emotions at all. We know that's what the world teaches. Um, yeah. Well, I was just reading, <clears throat> reading the fruits of the Spirit in the New King James for the first time. And uh, <clears throat> patience is in the NIV, if I'm not mistaken. And long-suffering is in the uh, New King James. and It's a little more descriptive. That word is an interesting word. The rest of them are all the same. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Yeah, that's the old, uh, the old King James word. I think you see that. NAS, I think, says patience, right? That's how I learned. I learned it out of NAS. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That was the NAS. Right, Eldon? Is that NAS? Where are you at? Uh, Spirit, Galatians 5. Pretty sure that's uh, that word. But, yeah, uh, long-suffering... Uh, is probably uh, very literal because you have this word well, definitely different than patience because you know patience is just waiting long suffering is long suffering yeah well what, what is what does mac what does what is micro Little. small right what is macro large long I like to put it this way Thumio is dealing with uh, uh, you can think of a a fire, a passion, something uh, dealing with a fuse. always like to think of it this way. A long fuse. Your patience never, you know, you, you set the fire, but it never really hits the dynamite. It doesn't explode. Macrothumio. So long-suffering or patience, with that, with that being understood. ESV has patience. Yeah, most uh, modern translations will do that. I don't even think we, in our vocabulary today, do you ever remember hearing anybody just say, hey, he's a long-suffering character, isn't he? Not usually. Not to describe me. Were you long-suffering today? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you've been suffering very no, long. I just, <laughs> yes. 
It's an inward quality. All of those, the fruit of the Spirit, is usually inward. now it can work. It should be working its way outwardly. But sometimes we might be very joyful. We may be, may not be showing it on the outside, but we are joyful. We're we're at peace with God, despite the circumstances around us. So it's an, all of those are come from the inward, but they should go outward as we live our lives. Too. Well, the only reason I brought it up is because I'm not the most patient person in the world, so. You think there's anybody else in here like that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She had five. She raised up. (laughs) Every time you said patience, that uh, God said okay, and uh, and she's still she's patient with those boys that she has as they are in their thirties now. (laughs) She. she she has to be patient with the Lord as she prays for them every night. <laughs> Sacrifice. I was going to say, by the dictionary definition online, it's actually considered an archaic or out of out of date term for patience. Is what's written on the dictionary. Yeah. Who's there we dictionary go. is that? <laughs> it's supposed to be Webster's, but it's the internet. It could be anything, right? Yeah. Archaic. So that's probably why they didn't put it in uh, our modern translations, NIV, uh, NAS, ESV. But New King James still considered to be kind of a modern translation, but it basically takes most stuff out of the King James. Yeah, but that, that would be more of a route to back mm-hmm. to love as opposed to patience. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what it's called, but, you know, but yep. we are long-suffering because of love. Yep. So. It's the only reason I brought it up. Matter of fact, is that not in 1 Corinthians 13? Love is... Patient, love is kind. That's it's that same word, macrothumio. Uh, Aha, uh-huh. love is patient. That's First yeah. Corinthians thirteen. First Corinthians thirteen. The love chapter. Probably starting around verse four there, right? Mm-hmm. Patient, is patient. Yep. New King James uh, makes you wonder. I bet it's patient, but but it may not be. I don't know. Could be long suffering. You're looking it up, right? Oh, it suffers long. Yeah, <laughs> long okay. suffering. Okay, <laughs> macrothumio. Oh, sometimes the Greek uh, explains it. Anyway, this love thing—it's there to meet somebody's needs. Uh, it's serving somebody. It's uh, dying for somebody. Uh, remember, Jesus said, "Greater love has no man than this: that a man what laid down his life." How about saying it like this? Greater love has no man than this, that a man feel really emotional about his friends. <laughs> that he'd die for his friends. Uh, lay down his life for friends. It's always sacrifice. Sacrifice. It's always selflessness. We look at the cross, that's where we find love. We saw what Christ is. It's always giving something. Always serving something. So, um, uh, giving with unlimited generosity. Boy, that that really goes against the grain of nature. And it'll only be when we know the incomprehensible love of Christ. It's incomprehensible. Uh, but it passes knowledge, right? As we see in verse 19. Uh, we realize that the indwelling Christ is there. And He is at home in us. And... Things are never going to happen with this kind of love until we realize the strengthening, we realize that, hey, Christ is free in my home, whatever He wants. And this is uh, this is the turn-on. 
This is what's going to make the difference whenever we have that. Then we have that love for people. Uh, Spirit of God takes over. When I realize my own sinfulness, when I deal with my own weakness, I start dying to self. When I start walking in the Spirit, that's when Christ is at home. When I'm walking in the Spirit. Uh, things, um, let's say, I, I just have a desire to serve. Whatever, Lord, whatever you want. I, I just want to meet needs. What are they, Lord? Um, you find yourself doing things that you would never have done. Have you ever experienced that? Well, if you're Christian, yeah, you have. You are doing things that your natural self would never even thought of, never would have desired to do. I'm sure you can think of a hundred different things that are different now than, than before. Um, myself, there is no way that I would have sat down with a, a bunch of people and just talk about the things of the Lord. I mean, I can't imagine ever doing that back when I was in my teens, when I was in my 20s. Right around 30 or so is where the Lord really started dealing with me. But um, that was the last thing I ever wanted to even t- to talk in front of people. I would never want to have done that. It was not my, my kind of nature at all. Well, you were caught alive. <laughs> he made you alive, too. <laughs> he brought you from that death into life, and he said, hey. <laughs> well, praise the Lord, that's what he did. <laughs> he brought you right here. Yeah. The rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded love. Uh, not all, that, that's experiencing God's love. Well, let's look at it a little bit. So we haven't looked at it yet. <laughs> Rooted. It's a metaphor there, right? Rooted. It's a botanical type of a term. Botany or... Uh, think of flowers. Here I, I think of an illustration of a tree. doesn't necessarily have to be a tree, but it compares really the believer to being like a plant rooted in the love of God. Love is like a picture where there is nourishing. If we're rooted in the love of God, we're being nourished by Him. What does a tree do? It has roots. They go down. They keep going down further. The roots get bigger. I know they do because once you have a tree and you chop it down, then you've got to get rid of the stump. And you just keep trying to get rid of that stump and you realize these roots just go on forever. And then you want to start using your ground. You want to put down patio blocks or something. And there are roots that are still there that you keep digging up. <laughs> I don't know how many times that's happened around my yard. I keep digging around in there and boy, I go, what is this coming up? It makes the patio blocks come up. You know, they're, they're all like, you ever seen patio blocks just all out of order? They're always doing that. Those roots. <laughs> I'm complaining. I don't have patience there. Yeah. That would be long suffering, right? Okay. <laughs> My point. I've suffered long with those roots. <laughs> Look in First Corinthians three nine, and uh, we go there because um, on our Sundays we we've been doing with First uh, Corinthians, and we're in that same area uh, coming up. Uh, three nine says, "For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building." 
Now there you have a field, you have uh, a whole area or places where you, uh, you know, you, you, you grow things. This is the God's field where he's working. Anyway, there's fellow workers in that field. Uh, think of a, a majestic oak tree, you know, those huge things. And the roots go down into the depths of the earth. They go way down to get that water. And, and it builds strength. It can stand forever. A mighty oak tree. There was a church, there is a church down in St. Louis called Twin Oaks. Has anybody ever heard of that church? It's called Twin Oaks Presbyterian. Rodney Stortz used to be the pastor there. And uh, I think it was probably... Uh, had, I don't know if they had oak trees there or whether they were just being biblical because you know you think of that kind of tree and just being rooted and all sorts of uh, strength there, depth and its vitality, its energy, its growth. Uh, love is the soil in which uh, our Christian life is set in. We're set in that kind of soil and that's that's how we grow. Um, a tree has to have various uh, how can I say nutrients. Uh, Aren't there chemicals down in the ground that the tree has to have? And so those roots just take that and then take it up to the rest of the tree. That's healthy. Yeah, minerals. The more you get rooted down into that soil of God's love, the more you know stronger that you are. Uh, love is what builds up the Christian life. That deep-rooted soil. Real strength of the Christian's life is what? It's love the most powerful influence in the world. I think in Song, uh, Song of Solomon, it talks about death being strong, and then it says love is as strong as death. Have you ever heard of that verse? Have you heard of that, Janice? Have you ever wondered what that meant? Let's turn there for a moment. I'm not sure I know what it means either. Song of Solomon. When was the last time we turned to Song of Solomon in this Bible study? Where's it at? <laughs> we know it's in there. After the Psalms. It's in chapter 8. Kind of an interesting, interesting verse. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as as death. Now, we know the Song of Solomon is, is a love story. And there it's speaking about love that can be very strong. Death is very strong because it takes all of us. All of us will die. Except a few. But we know that that's, that's part of the, the life. There. But it, he says love is as strong as that. Matter of fact, I think if you were to extend upon that, it's, it's stronger. Because this goes on forever and eventually there won't be any more death. But there he's making a point. It, it's just as powerful as what the death is at that time. That's how great this love is. And we know it's important to have knowledge, but not just knowledge makes us strong Christians. If that be the case, we'll be puffed up. So we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and they had a danger and they already were having a problem about having all this knowledge and pride. And he says, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Here's what just knowledge in itself does. It puffs up. But love, what? Edifies. It builds up. 
And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, <laughs> look at this. He knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. And that word know is to have an intimate relationship. If we love God, it's because, well, first of all, he first loved us. We're known by him. We are um, predestined and we're also known by him. I think of Romans Romans 8 there. Um, we're known by God in a real relationship. Agape, agape, agape. John 15. Just a few verses and we'll move on. When was the last time we really studied on love anyway, right? 15.13. Greater love has no one than this. I think we did this one ago. Than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's love. Laying down your life. That's a sacrifice. Then we'll go to 1 John. Well, we could camp out in 1 John for a little bit. Turn to a few verses there. There are, there are a little... Uh, quite a few verses. In fact, the whole epistle is dealing with that, isn't it? 1 John 4. Starting verse 9, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And in our theology, that really makes sense, doesn't it? We didn't love God, but He loved us. Sent His Son to be the propitiation, little doctrine there, right? for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Good principle there he sets forth. Verse 12, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. Oh, He lives in us. He remains. He sticks around and His love has been perfected in us. Then we move down to verse 19. We love Him because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from Him that he who loves God must love his brother also. But what if they are unlovable? You ever known any unlovable people? (laughs) What if they are people that really rub us the wrong way. What's, the, what's our command? We have no option. What if they are an enemy? You turn into Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. What does he say? Have you heard it said that hate your enemies? Jesus says, love your enemies. I've never heard that ever stated by anybody else. Have you ever heard the world say that? Love your enemies? Oh, the Roman, Romans 13. Give you more people to love. Yeah. Brother or sister 
goes that second mile and loves you, it will, I think, just, um, it just bring you down. It melts you, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> That's good. It's easier to go and do likewise. Yeah. Boy, we can be unlovable, can't we? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if you still remain unlovable after all this time? What if you still remain unlovable? I mean, are we supposed to become lovable? I didn't That's a hard say question. That anywhere. I didn't say that I had to become lovable. Okay. I'm just sitting here thinking, ha, 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 ha you have to love me. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You guys have to love me. You have to put up with me. You're commanded. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you got to love me anyway. Does that mean we have to associate with them? <laughs> you don't have to go over to their house, right? <laughs> That's right. It's it's an act, and then uh, you know you move on. You act otherwhere, other places too. I got other people I still have to. What did Mark Lowry said? He said you love them and all, but you'll go to their funeral, but you won't go on vacation with them. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, do you have to go on vacation with them? Not yeah. necessarily, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going. Actually, he did it really early. You know, it's. it's it's too bad that we can't be like the kids on the playground that get into their scraps, you know, and, you know, one one minute they're getting along just fine, then they start to brawl on the ground, and then they get up, shake themselves off, and, you know, after they get yelled at by the adults or whatever, and then they start playing together. Buddy buddies again, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, to be a kid, you know. But, Bob, sometimes you got to clear the air. you have everybody staying in it. Yeah, I'm yeah, just saying I think that's been proven in the church for 2,000 years uh, in, in some ways, and then sometimes they just divide like that and they never get back together, you know. But we have denominations, though, I mean, because people and, couldn't agree. <laughs> I mean, you know. And there's going to be more until Christ comes back. Yeah. It's just going to expand because human nature. Yeah. Right. I'm going to go off and we're going to do our thing. We can, you know, instead of dying to self and going and reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. That. Tell me that I'm not the only one that has a hard time figuring out what that love looks like. Sometimes I just don't know what the loving thing is to do. Not that I'm expecting you to tell me because the situation is going to be different. Whatever the opposite thing is, what's the situation? But it says, I really would like to. What would Jesus do? See, a lot of people have this idea, though, that it's just kind of a very passive, very lay down in front of them and let them walk all over you. Yeah. Yeah, that's not that's not love. Sometimes it's what Bob was talking about. Sometimes it is to put the dukes out and you kinda of have to come to an understanding with each other and then it becomes a respect. But that's the wisdom of the scriptures to know when you find that you need to You have to look back to the look back there, why are they why are they doing that? Really what's the cause? Yeah, that's every individual person you're talking about the concept of the night. 
Everybody has those different circumstances and different... Here's the test that God's going to bring us. You know, How are we going to show this love? How, it's going to, going to flesh out differently. The best picture, uh, maybe one of, the, one of the best pictures of Jesus Christ is found in 1 Corinthians 13. Go there for a moment. How can we not get away from going there? But this, uh, this has been stated by many writers down through history. This is impossible for us to do except... For Jesus Christ. This is Jesus Christ. But if He's in our life, then we are commanded to do these things because He says, do the love. So in our in and of ourselves, we can't. But in Him, let's, let's see how this fleshes out, how it pictures out. Love suffers long. We talked about that. And is kind. That uh, has been pictured out as somebody like, if there is a, let's say, a, a big old mud puddle and there's somebody that walks but can't walk very good, and they can't jump over or anything, or um, it's an elderly lady, um, you um, you take them and you um, you take your coat and put it down over that mud putt. <laughs> now, I'm not saying take your clothes and destroy them, but okay, I'm, I'm going to an extreme here, but whatever it takes to do a kind act uh, out of not trying to draw attention to yourself, but hey, here is... Uh, Kindness, love does not envy. Well, of course, you know that's, that's out of the. Over yourself, yeah, and that's what all this is. It's it, this is dying to self here. Love doesn't envy. You know, it, it's not going to want something. You know, that's out of the Ten Commandments, is it not? Along the same lines, it does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. These are to the Corinthians again. <laughs> Uh, does not behave rudely. Of course not. Does not seek its own. There again, it's uh, not about self. Is not provoked. That's where the anger comes in. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. When somebody is is caught in something, say, oh good, they had it coming, I'm glad that happened. That's not love. But what does it do? It rejoices in the truth. And these last statements are kind of linked together. It bears all things. When things, you, I mean, you are have done everything you can to love that person, and yet things are really still not happening on the, on the other side. You bear that. And then when that doesn't result in anything, it believes all things. You still believe that you know what you're doing is, is right. And, and it says, hopes all things. It gets to the point where even the believing... It almost like is, well, this is never going to turn around, but I'm going to do what I know I'm supposed to do. I'm going to love. And then it hopes all things. Whenever you've run out of the believing, and now you're just hoping that this will work in a, in, a, in a real positive hope. And then whenever there is no hope, love endures all things. It just keeps on going no matter what. Even when there is no hope in the situation, let's say with with a person, you keep on loving them even when there's no hope. So all the way down there, it's, that's you know you really look at that. That's Jesus Christ. That's that's him. That's he's the one that that does those. For us, it's hard to to do those, but in Christ, we 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 can through history and being rooted and grounded, 
then that does become now the possibility. That's when you uh, yeah, you're, you're gonna say, okay, well, let's put that person around me and you can say that's when you begin to try to figure out why, you know, what are you supposed to do for them? What can you do to that love? Yeah. Just like that. That's right. Uh, Romans 13. We're in 1 Corinthians 13. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. Owe them love. You owe people love. You ever thought about that? I owe them love. Yeah, but you don't know what... Uh, man, I can't, I can't really stand them. You, know, you don't know what they, they say, you know, what they do. And For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And there is the, the, the law. Love God, love the neighbor. For the commandments, you should not commit adultery, you should not murder, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness, you should not covet. And if there's any other commandment, and there are, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That neighbor that... <laughs> I'm not going to get too real here. Uh, I mean, and, and the neighbor can be somebody besides somebody that lives next to you or across the street. i just thinking of that uh, immediately. That went across my mind. I'm going, oh, yeah, okay, there's a challenge to me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. let's don't get too close here. <laughs> love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Of course, the neighbor extends out to everybody. And you think of the uh, the neighbor and uh, what the Samaritan and such. You know. uh, love is the fulfillment of the law. Harm, you never harm your neighbor. You never speak bad about that neighbor. You never want to uh, look down upon them. And uh, Anyway, love, when it comes down to it, should be the predominating, it should be the very prevailing, supreme element in our lives, in our conduct, in all that we do. That is uh, just a little bit on that. That's rooted in love. Now, there's another one. There's a second metaphor here that is grounded in love. Very similar. Um, Here you're thinking of a building, a building being established. For a building to be established... There has to be something underneath it. What is it? Foundation. Foundation. Or else that building will um, start cracking and it will fall down. Uh, The winds and the rains come, right? The illustration, again, can be found back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. At the end of verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. Here's a wise master builder. The wise master builder builds a building on the rock, on the foundation. He's wise. matter of fact, he, he will go around and check out the soil, the clay, the sand, the shifting of that. He's going to examine that. Um, if, there, you know, if there's too much clay if there, or if there's too much sand, you're going to have shifting. The larger the, and the higher that the building gets, the more important that foundation is. It has to even be bigger and deeper. It has, if you have a 
big, tall building. It's going to have to withstand uh, stress and strain on that. Uh, it's to be fixed. It's to be permanent. So that wise master builder is having that there to be permanent. It's saying, well, listen, it's meant for three or four years here. I'm going to cut my corners on this foundation and save a little bit of money and a little bit of time and effort, and uh, we won't need it around very long anyway. Uh, that's not going to fly, is it? Yeah. Yeah. All relationships, all relationships must be based or founded upon love. Every one of our relationships, really close friends like we have here, and brothers and sisters in the Lord, based on love. Extend out to your family, lost, saved, so on out to your neighbor. Yeah, so a lot of times you first have to get your emotions under control before you can make those right responses. Yeah, because love is not founded on emotions, is it? I don't feel like loving them. Okay, fine. Don't feel like loving them. Here's what you're commanded to do, though. You do this. Here's your act. Right? Here's your will. Your will still does it. Be nice to have the feelings there, but even if they're not there, what do you do? You still do them and say, well, I feel like a hypocrite. Well, you're still commanded to do it. The feelings might come later as you see how, oh, you know what? The Lord was working in that. I can't believe that. That person is even changing. God did it. And you use me? I didn't feel like it at the time. You know, I just want to study. Do we have to do stuff? Really? You know, <laughs> this is easy, isn't you know, it? Not really this, is, <laughs> this is easy. <laughs> is that what we're calling? Does that sound like James? <laughs> we can't be in those ivory towers. Let me go back to in First Corinthians 13. Oh, where he got convicted enough of that, Eldon. We don't need any more. <laughs> okay. Testify, man. Well, he says, all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I don't think that means love, from our point of view, is always going to turn out right. Right. You're never going to change all these good. people that don't like you. That's the reason you're going to have to endure all these things. Very good. But what it does do is uh, it puts you in the right, I don't know, frame of mind, in the right spirit, in a right relationship to God, even though everything around you is not going right. So mm-hmm. why else would you be enduring all things? It's mm. their It's conscience clearing. You've done all you can do. You're right with God in this relationship or whatever it is. Uh, but they may never change. Yep. I like that guy. What's his name? Elder, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's good. Somebody you don't get along with. Yeah. <laughs> That's well said. That's very well said. Well, there is another scripture somewhere called Romans. As best you can to get along with. Yeah, let it as is possible with you. Yeah. 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 Uh, Romans 12. 
if it's possible as much as depend verse 18 as depends on you live peaceably with all men if it's possible beloved do not you know and but those that don't live peaceably with you injure yeah. yeah when there's no more hope left you you, you continue to endure though and that's loving them even though it doesn't seem like there's any results right that's what we're saying and a lot of times there won't be results not going to look like it anyway but God is doing his thing there might be results in us. Well, in you're responsible for you. God's responsible for them in a lot of areas. Well, we can't change it, can we? Well, and that's not what you're commanded to do. You're just commanded to do your part. And yeah. if you do your part in the loving thing, you change. Wow. You can't love people. Let me say this. I can't love people and be who I am. I have to change. God does that kind of thing, doesn't He? <laughs> yeah. It's all... Uh, and, and He's constantly uh, making us die to ourselves. This, uh, I found out when I do that, those people that I, I give that much to, a lot of times they really don't care. <laughs> they really don't. You say, man, and I and I did everything I could do. God, why didn't you do anything? Make another statement is that you can't love somebody into the kingdom of God that's not one of God's elect. No matter how much. You're still commanded to love them. You can't pray because you're still commanded to pray because you don't know that heat on their back. We are to love unbelievers. Oh boy, do they ever need our love? Because There's some know, out there that that are like. I don't know who they are. Because sometimes the Lord uses you loving somebody else is unlovable. Yep. Somebody else sees what you're doing. So, yep. You know, there's a there's always those, those other things. That are oh, going he'll on. send those people right around to you. All you have to do is work retail. <laughs> <laughs> on the radio tonight, coming home, they were no way was talking about. Pay. They were talking about pornography, and there's this guy, I didn't hear all the story, he has a, it's a, actually a ministry called Triple X Church, and people go to that, he said roughly 50% of the people that go to that go to it thinking it's a porn site, but, um, which is what it's designed to be, because he was talking about a, some type of a convention they were at, a porn convention actually, which is where they were there to preach the word. And they had these T-shirts that said Jesus loves porn stars, and you know that kind of drives home what he said there. You know, love this, love the sinner and hates sin. But he said he's act that shirt has actually reached out to some people and changed some of the people there, and you know they come there wanting to buy something pornographic, and they end up going home with that T-shirt and it gets them to think of. So it's that God loves. A porn star, God loves homosexuals. That right? That's what we're saying is that if even though that those lifestyles are not anything that we uh, agree with at all, we can still say, hey, um, you know, there could be people in there that are elect and they're they're not saved yet. It's gospel. The retail. <laughs> Zach's going. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Love uh, is is stable, isn't it? It's um, it's a building. It's stable. It's it has to be constant. It, it can't shake. It can't move. So that's God's love. 
but our love is to be like God's love because we're to resemble Christ. Does our love for other people vary sometimes according to their variations? They don't love us, so why should I love them? I can't love them. God, I can't love them. Uh, We can't shift. We have to do it no matter whether we want to or not. And uh, there are no, there should be no variations in that we our love for people, regardless if they're believer, unbeliever, family, not family, neighbor, bad neighbors, whatever. The love still has to be there um, with, with wisdom. Nothing but a deep love to God really can stand up to all the trials, all the different stresses, all the strains that we have. Um, when I can understand, when I can, uh, or explain even, love is still going to hold me up. And, uh, I think of Psalm 119, which is about the Word of God, the longest chapter in the Bible. Every verse has to do with the Word of God there. 119, verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Great peace. You'll have great peace if you love God's Word. If you love His Word and pursue it, you're not going to stumble if you love that. Loving God. Uh, Verse 97. Same, Same chapter. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. To love God's Word. Verse 127. Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, than fine gold. A lot of money. I love your Word much more than that. Uh, We can go on and on. But this is talking about His law or it's talking about loving God. Same. Talked about love one another. Talking about loving your enemies. And we have, have a few minutes. Let's go back to our Ephesians. Let's look at this now. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in that. Just like a a, a plant, a, a tree, an oak tree, or like a building with the foundation being uh, like a building and being rooted in. Now you get the next one. You're rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints, I love this, what is the width and length and depth and height. This is the real objective right here to Paul's prayer. Here's where he's leading all this up to. If you want to come up to the pinnacle, the highest of the heights, here we are again. This is the chief object. Uh, One of the highest attainments in the Christian life is to know the love of Christ. This verse actually has to do with God's love for us. We've been talking about loving God, loving others, and then he comes to this, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and uh, length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ. Surpasses all knowledge. Now, we're not going to get much into verse 19, even uh, at 18. But first of all, we're going to say, this is possible for all Christians. Because 
he says all the saints. You can comprehend with this all the saints. I have to think of all the saints. Go back to the Old Testament. You can think of Noah, or you can think of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, Joseph, Daniel, um, David. Keep on going. Uh, you think of uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul. Think of the other apostles. Then you think of Augustine and Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and John Knox and John Bunyan, John Owen. You can think all the way up into present time. All the saints that we live. All the way up to this little room here. The saints. All the saints have this possibility to have this, to comprehend what's the width and length and depth and height. Sad to say, because of 1 Corinthians 3, there are fleshly Christians who are not growing, and because of that, they're not going to comprehend the length and width and depth and height. Yeah. Woodrow Crowell has been teaching in Revelation, and he was doing some calculations. He's wrapping up this series now, and he's talking about how the God describing the size of the place he has for all believers. And he said, he said, it looks like there's enough space there for 10 billion people. <laughs> you know, with the earth right now is what, six and a half billion or something. I mean, I just, I was, when you're talking about all these size, you know, the love of God, you know, um, 10 billion people, he, he loves a lot. Well, I like that because you're dealing with the width right there. Yeah. Um, uh, well, look in Revelation 5. Go turn there. Yeah. It's not that... As a matter of fact, there's going to be a lot more in heaven than we can ever even imagine. Even though it says, few there be that find it, uh, we'll be surprised, won't we? Uh, Revelation 5 and verse 9. This is that great praise. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. This building that God has going up in the church is incredibly wide, isn't it? All people, all across the world, throughout all the ages, they're all part of that. Wow. That's why it's broad enough to encompass all of mankind. Not, not everybody that's ever been born, but out of every, all of these nations that have lived. He hasn't said, okay, I'm just going to take the Jews only. He expanded out. It's, it's always been. He has been choosing people out of all the nations of the world. Places you wouldn't even imagine. Tribes. You know, missionaries have gone into Ecuador and just name them right and left, you know, all over the world. Uh, and and he's bringing those into it. So that's, that's pretty wide. And uh, he wants us to be fully able to know that. Um, length is another one. And, you know, there's no way that we can we can define exactly what all this is, width and length and depth and height. Uh, and I'm just throwing out just, just some simple thoughts. But the depth of this is much more. And, matter of fact, start digging out some commentaries and, and just read about some of the thoughts that they have on this. It's going to go much further than we, can, we could even talk about. I'm not even hitting the tip of the iceberg. The length... Um, when I was reading Lloyd Jones, uh, I think uh, MacArthur and, and, and Boyce, and they all had an agreement that this this length here has it's long enough to last for eternity. It started in eternity, and God is not bound by past, present, future. 
but there was an agreement that entered in between the Father, the Son, that's the Holy Spirit there, and it concerned about salvation of mankind. And the fall of man was foreseen in this. Everything known. And the Son entered into a covenant with the Father that He would save them and redeem them, like we saw in Revelation there. The Father covenanted with the Son to grant certain privileges and blessings to the people, and the blessings were given to the Son as they were given to the people. And so this is an eternal thing. It goes from eternity past to eternity future. That's how long His love is. The length conveys the endless character here of, of God, the love of Christ. Go to Jeremiah 31, 3. Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's not like it started when we finally made the decision to say yes. <laughs> this love started before creation. He has known you for eternity and loved you for eternity. My finite mind can't comprehend that. Can't get it without the help of the Lord. It's too much to fathom. It is. And that's, that's what these words are. They go as far as whatever we can understand, and they go much farther, much deeper, higher. <laughs> this is going to the heights of the heights as far as we can go in our little finite sinful minds. And, and you think about this, um, and you go, wow, He has set His, uh, his, his love on us in, in such a way that's just unbelievable. He's granted us all these privileges. I think of Revelation uh, 13.8 uh, where it, it looks like a negative statement here, but you have to think it also means something positive. Uh, this is talking about like uh, authority is is given him over every tribe, and tongue, and nation. This is talking about uh, Antichrist and such. But look at this. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, not Christ, they'll worship something false, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The book of life was before the foundation. Of course, the Lamb. Uh, this is all an eternal thing. Eternal, much further. Look in 17, verse 8. That means the ones who are His have been written in the book of life before the foundation. I wonder what your Arminians do with that one. Hmm. 17, 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel. These are, uh, this is representing unbelievers. Whose names are not written in the book of life. The book of life was written from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast it was and is not and yet is. So what about the ones who are written in the book of life? Well, it was from when? From the foundation of the world. And we know we think of Ephesians 1 
How about Hebrews 7.25? Therefore, He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Hey, that would be a good one to go on Facebook there, Bill. That verse right there about uh, people who doubt their salvation. And what is it saying there? Uh, saves to the uttermost. Um, it's, it's doubting the very character and the very role of Christ being the mediator because He makes intercession. Even when we sin, He's making intercession. Even when people would say, I don't know if I want to be a Christian anymore. If they're really Christians, I don't know why they're saying that. Maybe they're just saying it out of desperation. Don't know what else. I don't know. They say, well, you can turn away from God. But, uh, if, if that were possible, Christ is still interceding. Um, what about the depth? Well, I know one thing. I don't know how far it goes, but it goes down to the depth of the depraved sinner all the way down to the very corruptness and, and depth that we have. Ephesians 2, 1, 3, 1 through 3 talks about what? The depravity of man. Philippians 2 says, Christ came all the way down to this earth. He humbled Himself to the point of death. Gave Himself up. The epitome of humility. He humbled Himself so that we could be justified. That's some part of the depth. I'm not I'm just just hitting. I don't even know if I'm hitting the tip of the iceberg here. But just think about it. This width, this length, this depth. How about the height? What's well, high enough to exalt the sinner all the way into the throne room of God, right into heaven. And even right now, we sit in the heavenly places. You don't see it right now, but uh, we're there. Many verses dealing with that. I'll close here. He has set so much of His affections on us. He He loves us so much that He desires to share the very privileges. Christ takes the privileges that the Father has given to Him and gives them to us. All the blessings, all the enjoyments, and they're there for us. height and the length and the depth and the width of that is unbelievable. Um, the thing that has been coming out in, in my feeble-minded brain during this entire discussion in thinking about the lost and God touching the heart of the lost, God touches the heart of the lost to the point where they have an, finally have an understanding that there is a separate realm. We have a physical realm and we have a spiritual realm. Because if somebody would walk in that's never been to church and never heard about God, would walk in on our conversation, and they and, and well, if they would walk in here, I would I would dare say that God probably brought them in. <laughs> okay, but you know, but if somebody just walked off the street, I mean, they would look at us like we're morons, you know, because we all have a foundation that is 25 years in the making in this in this room I mean obviously but plenty of years in the making in the in in the word but I but I was I was just looking at that going there's just no way a physical person with 
with that just thinks in the physical can understand these spiritual things. There's there's just no way. And that and that's you know Yeah. And and God has to do that. That a person cannot do it a person cannot separate his physical from his spiritual being without without the help of, of God. Because he will always do what the flesh wants him to do, you know, what his own flesh wants him to do. And that's sin and then and then and then but at the same time then well I'm not really that bad of a person. I mean if you you know, I'm not as bad as that guy or whatever, but but the fact still remains that that person, even though they may not think they're that bad, has no cannot cannot fathom at all the the, the spiritual realm that is, is that knowledge is is, is given. You know. It's hard for a spiritual person. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. So if it's hard enough for us, you know, which is that's why I was thinking of that. You know that it's that it's got to be even harder for a person because I've been well, thinking a lot of that lately yeah. about the chapter in Acts where the people were coming in and going, you know, what's up with these people? And, you know, and, and, and even even from the standpoint of of trying not to talk as much Christianese, you know, with, with people, because it's it, not that necessarily that it makes them uneasy, but you start talking a language that they don't understand, you know, like, God laid it on my heart. Well, what did he lay on your heart? What? what? You know, and so, you know, and so I would rephrase that and say, well, I've been thinking a lot lately, and I think God wants me to do this. You know, as, as opposed to some of the cliches that we use, you know, in, in Christian. That can trip them up, can it? Yeah. I mean, tripped me up for a long time. Uh, Got to kind of be where, where they're at. Kind well, of yeah, you, you don't have sense. to be like hip and everything, you know, but I mean, just just, just be more sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. In the in the biblical sense that Paul says, you know, it, uh, it's in Romans. Be like the Romans. No. Yeah. When in Romans, read it. <laughs> it's out of Corinthians. Maybe that's what it is. Chapter anyway, 9. Just need to yeah. throw that out there. Because, yeah. Because I, I think we're going to have more and more opportunities in the coming days where we're... God is going to pour out His Spirit, and we need we need to be ready. I mean, we, this is this is good training. You know, we have to be able to do something with it. So at first, what people begin with, yeah. yeah, we're in a training ground, aren't we? We're on a training ground, and. Ultimately, it's it's to to know to know Christ. But as we know Him, then we get to relate to others, and then we see start seeing them as God sees them. And you know, not pretty. It's it's called sin. But realizing what who God is and wanting them to know that that great news. So. When you're first a new believer coming into, you know, pretty heavy stuff, and Barb going, What are you guys talking about? Who are these people you're talking about? Yeah. But it's possible, though, for the Lord to take somebody of very new beginnings. Well, there is no more like I mean, very simply, though, too, that's what the Spirit is. 
Well, and then just a quick story. I, um, because of my materialism, I went and bought a guitar amp yesterday. Um, but I was talking to him about playing at church, and, and he said, oh, I used to go to church. You know, and again, he was telling me who his aunt and uncle were, and I know his aunt and uncle, and, and, and I invited him to that concert out at, the, out at the fairgrounds, okay? So I did my part. But the thing was is that I, what I really wanted to ask him, and I hope I get to ask him again, what made you leave church? Because I think sometimes people, you know, they move from being in a fellowship to, to not being, and, and it could be something from, well, it just wasn't the children's program I wanted, or it just, you know. It could be anything, but sometimes I just... You know. Thank you for asking the church is Yeah. So, he's got a guitar for sale, so I may have to go back. Opportunity. <laughs> I'll take up an offering now. Sure. <laughs> there you go. Hey, this guy might become saved. Can yeah. you guys help me get a yeah. guitar? <laughs> i got to get back over here. It's the only thing you've got for sale. <laughs> well, next week... Uh, We'll get into that part about uh, which passes knowledge. To know the love of Christ is passing knowledge. And your next question would be, well, how can you know something that can't be known? <laughs> That'll be our assignment. You guys tell me that. Well, give me the answer to it. I'm still looking for it. Anyway, we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, we need to know Christ's love to us. Instead, we spend so much time thinking about our activity and circumstances and all of our problems we need to know Christ's love, the, the love that He has for us. And when you think of these four terms that we looked at, anyway, we'll get into that, and then we'll we'll get into that finishing verse, which is dealing with uh, one of my favorite topics, uh, His glory. Uh, and and um, He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Our prayers are so minuscule to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our prayer life. A lot of times we're not praying or we're praying and we don't know what to pray for. I've ran out of words, ran out of thoughts. I don't even know what to pray for and the Holy Spirit just keeps on praying for us, Romans 8 says. Jesus Christ is interceding on our behalf and we don't ask big enough. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I don't know what, what all is involved with that. We'll see next week as we... Uh, Uh, finish out this session and uh, we'll be moving into living out the Christian life in chapter 4. Thank you guys. One more week. Break. Boom. Three more months. And we'll still be in Ephesians somewhere along the line. It'll be Christmas in a little while.